Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast. We're very happy to have Mark here with us, Mark van Riemenam. Did I pronounce this correctly? Yes, you did. Okay, perfect. Mark, would you like to introduce yourself and say a few things about your work? Sure. Well, thank you for, for having me, Stelianos. It's, uh, it's great to be on your show. And yeah, so my name is Mark Verheim, and I'm also known as The Digital Speaker. I am a strategic futurist, which means that I think about emerging technologies and how they change organizations and society. I have written five books on this topic, with my latest two books being Step Into the Metaverse and Future Visions, which was actually written in collaboration with ChatGPT in just five days. And that's basically what I do. I really like to practice what I preach to really understand you know, all these new cutting edge technologies and how they are impacting our lives. And what I then do is I sort of use these technologies and I apply exponential thinking to it to understand how they're going to impact our future and how they're going to affect our society. I'm also a global keynote speaker. So I speak and deliver keynotes for Fortune 500 companies around the world and large scale events. And I've just recently started a new initiative called the Digital Futures Institute, which focuses on ensuring a thriving digital future for everyone. Because I'm not necessarily convinced that we'll end up in a fair digital future. And I think there's a lot of work to be done to ensure that we all understand what's happening, how technology is evolving, yeah, what we can do about it. Because you know, it's my as a futurist, it's my job to stay up to date about cutting edge technologies. And even for me, at times it, it's nearly impossible to stay up to date because you know, everything is moving so fast. So yeah, I can't blame anyone who have difficulties. Um, trying to keep up with all the changes that, that, we, that we see today. And I think it's, but it, I think it's very important that we are, you know, stay, that we are staying up to date because yeah, otherwise we sort of keep walking into the digital society that we don't really know how it works. So that's my next venture that I focus on. And finally, I also run a media platform called Datavlog, which focuses on emerging technologies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. I'm curious, how did you find ChatGPT? How big is the book? How many pages? The book is about 150 pages, I think. And I would argue, it's just, let's put it this way, it's not my best book. <laughs> but I wrote it very much as an experiment. And literally, I didn't change, well, maybe I changed like five or 10 words in the entire book. Okay. But my whole objective was to have it write, written by AI, edited by AI, designed by AI, and <laughs> recommended by AI. So basically what I did is, so I asked ChatGPT, Literally like two days after it came out, because I thought this is like really cool technology and I want to investigate it, what you can do with off-the-shelf technology. And so I asked it, okay, I'm going to write a book or basically <laughs> you're going to write a book and tell me which technologies you think are going to impact our lives. That's the question that I post, that's my prompt, my starting prompt. So it listed several questions. I added a few of my, my own, removed a few of the one that uh, ChatGPT suggests. And then for each question, for each technology, I asked it now that we have this technology, which questions do I need to ask you in order to answer and understand how, technology is go- how this technology is going to evolve? 
And then mm-hmm. I used those questions to get answers from ChatGPT, and I literally copy-pasted the answer into the Word document I was creating, only you know, moving the different sentences up and down to make it more readable and you know, correcting it for actual factual incorrect answers, which there were quite a few in them. Then I had it edited by, by Grammarly. Once that was done, I asked it, okay, now you've written a book, give me a title, give me a subtitle, describe the cover. I used the description of the cover and I plugged it into Stable Diffusion to get the cover design. And then in the end, I asked it, now, now write me a recommendation for this book. And it also did that. So it was, it was a great experiment to get a sort of an understanding of where we are mm-hmm. with these technologies. And as I said at the start, it, it's not my best book because I think what I noticed from writing it is AI, it, it's still... The book is quite shallow. You know, if you write a book yourself, yeah. it has more peaks and, and trust. You know, there's a lot more happening in a book and it's quite shallow in, in, in terms of depth. And there's not much, there's a bit of repetition in, in the book because once you start using it at, you know, the 450 pages, you start to see how the ChatGPT works. It often gives the same structure for an answer, the same, you know, a paragraph structure, the same answers, not the same answers, but it's a completely the same structure. And that of course doesn't read very nice. I think as authors, we don't have to fear for our jobs just yet, but it's a great tool to kickstart your creativity. And I use it daily nowadays. And I almost can't see my life without it anymore. It's kind of funny how fast that works. But it is, yeah, it's a, it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. And what do you think is going to be the impact of chat GPT society? So it has already passed like a medical exam, an MBA exam, I think, a bar exam. So it's quite impressive. It seems to be amazing in generating logical, factual responses with a little bit of creativity. Obviously, its intelligence is not unlimited, but it's doing things that people wouldn't expect. So what's your take on this? What do you think is going to be the short-term impact? Well, it's doing things that we don't expect, but it also does very stupid things and makes up things that doesn't exist. So for my book, I asked it, now tell me how did AI and robotics converge? And it stated that in the 1980s, robotics and AI converged to create self-driving cars that completely changed transportation in the world. Well, if only it was that case, the world would have been a completely different place. So unfortunately, it wasn't. And then later on, I asked it, you know, who is... Mark Verheimenholm and which academic papers has he written? It said that it, I had written two books, which is incorrect because I've written five books. And it said that I had written three academic papers, which is correct. But then it came up with like three totally ridiculous, non-existing academic papers that all three had the same structure. So I think from that perspective, it's not the holy grail, it's just a tool. Now, of course, when we see it, that it can pass MBA exams or bar exams or other exams, it basically means we need to ask different questions because obviously we are training ourselves, we are teaching our children, our students to think in a certain way. Well, that way of thinking is out of the door and we're really experiencing a paradigm shift and we need to change our perspective of how do we teach stuff? How do we learn things? How do we deal with emerging tech? Yeah, I think it's best compared to when Wikipedia came, around, came about. Yeah, everyone said, oh, we can't use Wikipedia because it's, it's terrible. And nowadays it's pretty okay. I mean, you can use it. You still can't cite it in academic papers, but it's reasonable. And I think you know, the sort of same thing we should apply with these kind of technologies is, you know, we cannot forbid them because people will use them. And, you know, the, the ones who will use them are always smarter in using them than those who want to forbid them. So we I think we should teach ourselves and train ourselves how to use these technologies responsibly and how to make the most of it that it has a beneficial impact or social impact on our society. And I think that's where the main role is. So if we see that an AI can pass our exams, we need to change our questions. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a great point. I think the whole model of education needs to change. And it's funny that the initial reactions of teachers and everyone is like, oh, we need to have some kind of AI detector to see whether this was written by ChatGPT. But these tools are here to stay. So let's say that you go through the whole like higher education and you learn to write like your own papers, then you're out of the door, you no longer have a teacher above your head. What's the first thing you're gonna do? You're gonna use ChatGPT. It's like no one at work is going to tell you don't use ChatGPT because, you know, you should write your own. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And when I was doing a junior in high school, uh, you had to learn facts, you know. And of course, we don't have to learn those facts anymore because we have a tool in our pocket that, that has all the information of the Internet. So now we need to learn, okay, now we have all the information of the world that can also, you know, prepare it and offer it in a way that, that's easily digestible for what we humans like. So how do we deal with that then? How do we go about that? And I think that is yeah, something very, very important that we need to think about. And I think this whole generative AI movement, which is a lot more than text, we shouldn't get that, you know? It's also images, it's also 3D assets, it's 3D, it's complete virtual worlds that are being generated. It's music, it's audio, it's voices, literally anything almost that is digital can now be mm. created with generative AI. And you know, so that's a complete paradigm shift where we create this synthetic future of ours that we need to think about. And I think you know, we have to take this different approach on, and now that we have this society where this is possible, and this will only get better or worse, you could argue, in, in the coming five to 10 years, how are we going to deal with it? You know, trying to forbid it is not an option. So yeah. what are we going to do? How are we going to teach our children? Are we going to educate the organizations how they can benefit from them, from it, instead of that it will bankrupt it? And I think that's something that we is very, very much necessary. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And what's like your long-term view about AI? I mean, you're a futurist, so what does the future look like? The future, I guess, taking to 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Look... <sighs> As a futurist, I try to stay away from making predictions <laughs> because that's, you know, predictions are very, very difficult, especially when it's about the future, as a famous saying goes. And no, but jokes aside, I think what we see happening is there is a convergence of technologies and that's what really is going to change our lives. And not necessarily for the better, to be honest, because I think it's the way technologies are converging and with the level of understanding of the vast majority, let's say 99% of the people of these converging technologies, which is quite limited, to be honest. I think we have a very, yeah, we are in for, for a wild ride and it's not necessarily positive, I think. And I think we should really pay attention to how are these, you know, AI and quantum computing together with the Internet of Things to create all the data. How are they converging? What's going to happen? How is it going to, going to affect our society? Yeah, and we're going to have an Internet, which is first in the next five to 10 years, a very immersive Internet. And then, you know, in the next decade might move into becoming some kind of personalized or personal and is one internet using AI where you, everyone has their the entire internet in their pocket, which is completely mm-hmm. personalized with an AI coach that helps you and that is there for you. And then the next gen, the decade, we might move into the thoughts internet where we integrate with brain-computer interfaces and we can, uh, you know, control everything that we do in our lives just with our minds. You know, by that time, laptops and smartphones will have been long gone and it will completely change our world. Now, will it make our lives better? To a vast extent, absolutely. Will it make our lives worse? To a vast extent, absolutely. 
And I think as we have seen how much the world has changed in the past 25 years, you know, history is not always being repeated, but it, you know, it often rhymes, as they say. And I think we can see the same thing happening in the next 25 years where you know, all these different technologies are converging. They're going to completely change how our society is run. Uh, we are going to move from a world where we have to make a conscious decision to go on the internet to a world where we are in the internet, where we are part of the internet, uh, where we communicate you know, seamlessly, literally with each other at any given moment, how that world looks like, it's going to be quite interesting, I think. Yeah, that's true. But I think what's very interesting is that everyone's been talking about OAI and the future and this and that. And it feels like ChatGPT took everyone by surprise because many of the things that we believe AI would do at some point in the future suddenly are possible. And I think that's very interesting. And what's even more interesting is that if you look into how ChatGPT was built, there's nothing fancy about it. It's just like deep learning with a bit of reinforcement learning. And it's not intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not like uh, some kind of quantum machine that is fueled <laughs> by cold fusion and space on a base <laughs> on Mars or something out there. You know what I mean? Which makes you wonder, like, it looks like we have the right tools there to create, you know, something which looks like artificial intelligence. Probably many other discoveries. I don't know what's that, you know? So it's obviously, like you said, it's difficult to predict the future. Like, don't make predictions about the future. But it feels like we might actually reaching, I don't know what's your opinion on this, some kind of singularity effect, maybe, over the next five years. It's, maybe it's not completely out of the question. What's your take on that? That's a very good question. And I think it's almost philosophical if you go down that route. And if we talk about the singularity, the singularity is, of course, when we reach, you know, AGI, artificial general intelligence. And often people say that AGI is also conscious. But then if we want to know if, if AI becomes conscious, we don't even know what consciousness is in mm -hmm. humans, in human intelligence. So let alone how can we figure out what consciousness will be in artificial intelligence. Yeah, I think the singularity is still quite far away. But then again, I also thought that what ChatGPT is capable today, I thought that it would be further down the road, further down the road as well. It might come a lot sooner. I think it's still far away because, you know, um, having an AGI, which is as intelligent as human beings, is quite far away. I am convinced that we will end up there. And there are people who, who say we won't, but I'm 100% convinced that we'll end up in a world where AGI and super AI will become part of it. I think it's just the next step in our evolution. It's just, yeah. you know, every intelligent life that evolves, whether it's on Earth or anywhere else in the world, in, in the universe, will eventually move to an artificial intelligent life. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the way I look at it, you know, AI by itself will beat humans. So if we, because AI is just in a lot of domains very superior, in very narrow domains at the moment. Now, but I think if we, a collaboration between humans and machines, humans and AI, will beat AI. Because mm -hmm. I noticed already, you know, when you start using these kind of tools, as they are tools, not intelligence, then you really augment the human intelligence. And I think that's how we, how we should look at it. But in order to use, to create this human-machine collaboration, we need to be able to understand and we need to be able to talk the language of the machines. And that's something I think our society is lacking, where I think we as a society, we have some really quick catching up to do, because if we don't do that, then I think, yeah, we have a bit of a trouble problem when AI reaches, when we do indeed reach the singularity, that it might be, uh, yeah, we might be too late. Yeah, yeah. So I guess one thing that we can all agree on is that the future is going to be very interesting. And something which fascinates me is what's going to happen if we merge ChatGPT 
with neural networks, which can come up with discoveries like this neural network that DeepMind developed called AlphaFold, I think, that would discover proteins. I know there's similar work being done in the discovery of pharmaceutical drugs. So if we like merge everything together, what is this going to look like? Then you might have like a network which can discover all sorts of things. I don't know, but it's definitely, I think, within the realm of, of possibility. I completely agree. You know, a couple of years ago, we saw already that Facebook developed an AI that developed a completely new language that the developers of that AI couldn't understand anymore and they pulled the plug. That was five years ago. Now, you know, if we then use this technology and indeed, if we start combining the different AIs that we have with quantum computing, you know, the sky is the limit. And we really have to be very careful on how we're going to do that and have the right boundaries present because there's a book called Super Intelligence by Nick Bostrom, which is a bit of an academic read, but an absolute one of the the books on super intelligence, which is I can definitely recommend reading to anyone listening. It sort of explains, you know, what can go wrong if we don't think about this kind of stuff. It's very, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah, useful to, to read that stuff in this time of day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I think he's a philosopher at Oxford, right? He has some interesting yeah, views around philosophy of AI. He's actually one of the few people who is a non-technical person, but his philosophical views on AI are very interesting and highly non-trivial because most people just repeat the same things they read on media. Absolutely. Very intelligent. Great, amazing. So I think our time's up. Where can our listeners learn more about you? What's your website? Sure, I'm pretty visible online. So it's thedigitalspeaker.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at Verrijmenam, which might be a bit more difficult than the digital speaker. But <laughs> yeah, if you just Google the digital speaker, then you will probably, probably find me. Amazing. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Stilianos. It's been a great a great conversation. Likewise. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. And make sure to go to thedatascientist.com for more content around AI, data science, and blockchain. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.